0: chapter 31 of half a century by jane grace wishelm this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami the mother church when the visitor entered life it was still doubtful which side of the slavery question the roman church would take o'connell was in the zenith of his power and popularity was decidedly anti-slavery and members of Catholic churches chose sides according to personal feeling, as did those of other churches. It was not until 1852 that abolitionists began to feel the alliance between Romanism and slavery. But from that time, to be a member of the Roman Church was to be a friend of the Southern interests. In Pittsburgh, there was great harmony between catholics and protestants for the protestant irish by which western pennsylvania was so largely settled were generally refugees driven from ireland for their connection with the union or robert emmet rebellion our pastor rev john black escaped in the night and he and the only catholic priest in Pittsburgh, father maguire were intimate friends the bishop of the diocese, R. R. O'Connor, was, I think, a priest of the Kapansaki order, one of those men by whose existence the Creator renders a reason for the continuance of the race. After the days of which I write, there was an excitement in Pittsburgh about Miss Tiernan, a beautiful, accomplished girl who became a nun and was said to have mysteriously disappeared. When the bishop resigned his office and became a member of an austere order of monks there were not lacking those who charged the act to remorse for his connection with her unexplained death but i doubt not that whatever that connection was it did honour to his manhood however it may have affected his priesthood in the days of his episcopal honours he was a favourite with all sorts and conditions of men and when he published a letter condemning our infant system of public schools and demanding a division of the school fund he produced a profound sensation i think this letter appeared in forty-nine it was the morning of one of the days of the week i spent regularly at the office i found mr riddle waiting to ask what i proposed to do about it i stated without hesitation that i would oppose it to the best of my ability when he replied I took it for granted that you would have consulted Mr. White, conductor of the Gazette, and we feel that we cannot afford to lose our Catholic patronage by taking issue with the bishop, and that it will not be necessary. You, as a pupil of Dr. Black, ought to be able to answer Bishop O'Connor's arguments, and we will leave him to you. The religious press will, of course, be a unit against him, and the secular press need not fear to leave the case in your hands the two papers for which he spoke were the two great whig dailies of the western part of the state the other daily was the democratic post conducted by a catholic and virtually the bishop's organ and to meet this attack on the very foundations of civil liberty the visitor a weekly was the only representative of the secular press the whig papers might have taken a different course had it been known at first that bishop o'connor's letter was only a part of a concerted attack and that all over the union the bishops had published similar letters but this was before the days of telegraphy and we were weeks learning the length and breadth of the movement bishop o'connor replied very courteously to my strictures on his letter and we maintained the controversy for some length of time having all the right on my side i must have been a dolt not to make it apparent and the friends of the bishop must have felt that he gained nothing else they would not have been so angry but he was courteous until he dropped the subject my catholic patrons gradually withdrew their advertisements and subscriptions thousands of protestants were rejoiced at what they called my triumph and borrowed the visitor to read my articles very many bought copies, but I think I did not gain one subscriber or advertiser by that labor in defense of a common cause. Nay, my lost Protestant as well as Catholic support, for businessmen did not care to be known to Catholic customers as a patron of a paper which had strenuously opposed the policy of the Church. That experience and a close observation for many years have taught me that the secular papers of the united states with a few exceptions are almost as much under the control of the pontiff as the press of austria nor is it the secular press alone which is thus controlled there are religious papers who throw sops to cerberus as an offset to teachings demanded by protestant readers these sops are paid for indirectly by patronage which would be withdrawn whenever the bishop took alarm at an article in that same paper. Protestants do not carry their religion either into political or business relations, and so there is no offset to the religious, political, and business concentration of Romanism. There was no other outbreak between me and my Catholic neighbours until the dedication of the Pittsburgh Cathedral, when my report gave serious offence, and caused Bishop O'Connor to make a very bitter personal attack on me. He did not know how truly the offensive features of my report were the result of ignorance, but thought me irreverent, blasphemous. I had never before been inside a Catholic Church, never seen a Catholic ceremonial, did not know the name of a single vestment, was overwhelmed with astonishment, and thought my readers as ignorant as I so tried to give a description which would enable them to see what i had seen hear what i had heard every bishop and priest and member of any religious brotherhood in this country and canada was said to be present some of the things they wore looked like long nightgowns some short ones some like cradle quilts some like larger quilts there were many kinds of patchwork and embroidery some of the men wore skirts and looked very funny Quite a number wore something on their heads which looked like two pieces of pasteboard, the shape of a large flat iron, and fastened together at the right angles and points. They formed into procession and started around the outside of the building. I thought of going around and about Jerusalem, and the movement had a meaning. But they walked into a fence corner, swung a censer, turned and walked into another corner, and then back into the house without compassing the building i said there was nothing to prevent bad spirits coming in at that side i copied the bishop's angry reply pled my ignorance and that of protestants in general for all that seemed irreverent and called upon him for explanations what did it all mean what was this spiritual significance of those externals i ignored his evident anger had no reason to be other than personally respectful to him yet my second article irritated him more than the first. I had stated that the men in the procession were the most villainous-looking set I had ever seen, that every head and face, save those of the bishops of Orleans and Pittsburgh, were more or less stamped by sensuality and low cunning. In Bishop O'Connor's reply, he said I had gone to look for handsome men. I answered that I had, and that it was right to do so the church and her works of art had laboured to represent christ and his apostles as perfectly formed men men with spiritual faces she had never represented any of her saints as a wine-bibber a gross beef-eater or a narrow-headed crafty cringing creature these living men could not be the rightful successors of those whose statues and pictures adorned that cathedral Archbishop Hughes, in his sermon on that occasion, had argued that all forms of the church had a holy significance. What was that significance? Moreover, in the days of John, there were seven churches. Whatever had the church of Rome done with the other six owned on the Isle of Patmos by him who stood in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks? For two months, every issue of the visitor copied and replied to one of the bishop's articles but never could bring him to the point of explaining any portion of that great mystery but the discussion marked me as the subject of a hatred i had not deemed possible and i have seldom if ever met a catholic so obscure that he did not recognize my name as that of an enemy so bitter was the feeling that when my only baby came great fears were felt lest she should be abducted but this i knew never could be done with bishop o'connor's consent End of chapter thirty one